great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. Hope you had an absolutely great weekend. You started off your Monday right by reading our free email newsletter. You don't know we have free newsletters? Yeah. Go sign up for them at clark.com slash newsletter. And, you know, if you decide, Clark's wasting my time. I don't like this newsletter. We make it as easy for you to unsubscribe as it is for you to subscribe. Something everybody should do. Today, I'm going to talk about the hotel industry being out of control with your wallet and some of the crazy stuff they're doing. Also, it's one of those things in life, it's just hard to imagine that there are people who wake up in the morning and think it's a great idea to cheat people, particularly when you've lost a loved one. And what goes on with the dirty dealing in the funeral business? I want to talk about that. And you need to know you have power. I know it's hard at a time of raw emotions, but you have power to not be cheated by the big funeral companies. So is this the all cheating podcast? The hotel industry has been through quite a transformation. So much so that it's changing how I look for hotels. And I'm in hotels constantly through the year. I don't even know how many hotel nights I spent in 23. I should add it up. But I'm sure it's more than 10 weeks worth of hotel nights. So the hotel business, I've watched the morphing. It's really funny because you'll see something that looks like a deal on a hotel and you check out the hotel and I've got all kinds of steps how I check out a hotel. And then I'll see the total price and I'm like, wait a minute, how did that become that? And it's because of all the junk fees that are being added into hotels. The one that has really upset Elliott Advocacy so much are the hotels now that are charging mandatory parking fees on top of your room rate, even if you don't have a car. What's this about? Okay, Uber and Lyft have changed the equation how often I rent a car, how often other people rent a car. Because I'll calculate. And I learned this two years ago in the most car-dependent city pretty much in the United States, Los Angeles. Los Angeles is the ugly combination of needing a car and huge parking charges wherever you go. I mean, like parking charges like you can't imagine, pulling in somewhere 30, 40, 50 bucks, overnight hotel 60, 80 bucks. I mean, it's like serious stuff. So I started experimenting, and I go to Los Angeles a lot. I have a daughter who lives there. I do work there, all the kinds of reasons I go to Los Angeles. And I experimented back in 22 with just doing Ubers and Lyfts instead of a car rental. And now more often than not, when I go, I calculate how many trips I'm going to be doing and all that. And I don't rent a car anymore. 
Well, that's being repeated over and over again all over the country where people are doing Ubers and Lyfts instead of renting a car. And so now hotels have paid, it costs a fortune to build these parking decks. I mean, it's just unreal how much it costs. So now they've got these parking decks. They're not getting the nightly revenue from people parking their car there. So brilliant hotels just came up with the idea. We're going to charge everybody for parking anyway, 40 extra bucks a night or 50 or whatever it is, 25. And recently we were having a company meeting. I was booking some of the staff's hotels and I changed what hotels I booked because there was, voila, a mandatory hotel parking charge. And in this case, it was $25 a night whether you had a car or not. I'm like, no, no. So I booked somewhere else. So as if you don't have enough to worry about in life, because you want a hotel to be one that's clean and safe, you want to be decent, and you also don't want to get ripped off. So you always want to know what are the fees? What are the things you're going to have to pay for in addition to your room rate? When I'm booking my own hotels, I'm looking not just at the top line, what they say the rate is per night, but I'm looking at the total cost and figuring out how it went from, let's say, hotel night times three to where it's nearly double per night what the stated room rate was. And it's changing where I stay. So some of the hotel chain websites now will do a disclosure of the rate, but they don't show of the, all the junk fees, but they don't then build it into the rate. You've got to do that yourself. And before you finish that booking, do that. The other thing is I'm noticing hotels are pricing more and more like airline flights with dynamic demand pricing and the rates going up and down, up and down, up and down continually. So do not book non-refundable hotel rooms. Hotels don't offer the option the airlines do where you can roll that value into a future trip. So even if you find a better deal on another airline, you still don't lose the money from the original one. Hotels, nope, you booked that non-refundable room. You have booked that non-refundable room. You own it, even if your trip cancels, even if a much better deal comes along later. So non-refundable hotel rooms are a curse. Krista? Okay, this came in from Kevin in North Carolina. Hi, Clark. My former coworker is in semi-retirement and mentioned to me recently that he's putting about $100,000 of his retirement into a structured buffered note and <laughs> says it's going to earn him 9 to 10% per year. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about these. Are these as good as they sound? So no one has asked us about a structured buffered note since back like maybe 10 years ago, um, that was a thing back then when interest rates were really low and people were looking for any way to get more money on their money when savings rates were basically near zero, this kind of thing rears its ugly head. Why is it ugly? So a structured note is essentially, Krista, what are you earning on your savings? Four and a half percent. What if I offered you the Clark structured note at 
9%. Yeah. Except what FDIC backing do you have? Oh. Yeah. So a structured <laughs> note is essentially backed by not the good faith and credit of the United States or by FDIC insurance or NCUA insurance or anything like that. It's backed by me. I could be a crook. I could just be someone who didn't do well and go insolvent and your note's worthless. Now, a structured buffered note is one that even juices the return more because what it does is they do things to give you a higher return on your money by you taking more risk. And then the buffer is, oh, but you'll only lose potentially up to 25% of the money you put in with us. Mm. And again, that's if we don't go bust. Yikes. So Kevin, this is not normal investing. Your coworker is taking significant risk with this. I don't want you to be the spreader of bad news or bearer of bad news. I don't know how good you are as friends. There is some risk to it. If he asks, hey, did you buy any of those? What I would say is, well, you know, I read this briefing on Investopedia. After reading it, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And I'm glad it's working for you. I just didn't feel comfortable with it. And maybe they'll go to something like Investopedia and read the briefing on structured notes. And I'm sure they have one on structured buffered notes. And maybe they'll think twice or three times more about continuing to do this. It is a a crazily high risk kind of thing to do. Barbara in Oklahoma says, my kids tease me that Clark is my boyfriend since I spend so much time listening to him and talking about him, but they often call me and ask, what does Clark say about blank? So I paid cash for my year old Toyota RAV4, but reviewing my USAA policy, I see the option for car replacement assistance. Would it be an advantage for me, even though I don't have a car loan? So car replacement insurance is kind of like full replacement value if you do a move and you have to choose the insurance you buy on your moving possessions that are being moved is or if they break something, lose it, whatever, damage it. Are you being paid on the depreciated value of it? Or are you being paid for the cost of buying a new item? Interesting enough on moves, I always recommend that you buy full replacement value because you don't want to be in an argument with the mover saying that that thing you paid $2,000 for is now worth 12. Um, in the case of a car, there's so much public information available about the worth of a car. You don't have that same risk, but the idea of this, and it's something that has become more popular over the years. I think at one time, maybe USAA was the only company doing it, but now it's a common thing where even though you have no loan on your car, it gives you the cost of what it would be to replace that RAV4 with a brand new 2024 RAV4 if it was totaled out instead of the depreciated value of it. The idea is it makes you more than whole for the risk that your RAV4 would be totaled, and it's your choice. This is kind of like being overinsured. It's your choice if you'd like to know if you're vehicle was stolen, not recovered, totaled in an accident, hopefully you're not hurt, that you would have a brand new RAV4 to replace it at no cost to you. All right. This is written from the perspective of a baby. So <laughs> got to listen what? carefully. This is from future listener Adam in Arizona. 
My mommy and daddy bought a house two years ago <laughs> and have been living there since. I was born in that house in October of last year. Since my daddy works from home and with the growing size of our family, my parents liked another house, which seemed like a good deal, and they paid the earnest money of 2.5%. Oopsie! <laughs> now my mommy is struggling as a new parent, having to go back to work, and wants to quit her job and spend all her time with me. Yay! We will still qualify to buy the bigger house, but I'm afraid we'd be stretched thin with the high interest rates. Daddy says he sees a housing slowdown in the area and would struggle to sell the house we're in. Plus, it was an under 4% loan rate, leaving the only choice to rent it out. Did my parents make a big boo-boo? Did they make a big boo-boo? Uh, no, and uh, this sounds like, you think the mom... Lopez I don't know. This wants to stay at home. It's hard to, I'm guessing from the way this was worded. Anyway, so Adam, giving up the low interest rate mortgage is a decision most people in the country have made to not do. Your parents have this ultra cheap mortgage. If they move on, they're buying a new bigger home at more expense with probably a 7% mortgage and less the builder is subsidizing it and giving them a better rate. So this is often a lifestyle choice. And so your parents need to have a serious conversation with each other. What's the higher priority? To be able to stay home with you or to have the bigger, better house? And I can't decide that. You can't decide that, obviously. They've got to talk about it with each other and really think through what they want to do. Now, the 2.5% that your parents already paid in, the oopsie, they may forfeit that money. They may also be subject to some additional costs. Who knows? But it would be whatever it is would be cheaper than having two payments, having to potentially rent out the existing home. As to your dad's worry, that housing prices are going to crater, I don't see that happening. Housing prices are going to just meander for a good while till incomes catch up to what's happened with housing prices in a really short period of time. And mortgage rates are going to go down in the future this year, actually. They're going to go down, uh, barring something unexpected in the world happening. I always have to say that. Uh, we're going to see lower rates later this year. So uh, maybe not the best timing for your parents to be doing this. But again, it's a conversation they need to have with each other, not you with me, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coming up ahead, we're going to move to something really dreadfully serious. It's the ripoffs that seem to be innate with the funeral chains. Not necessarily with a mom-and-pop funeral home, but with the roll, what are known as roll-ups, where these big chains came up with ways to trick people, to cheat them, to run up the cost of funerals to loved ones. I want to talk about what you need to know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I find this is a difficult topic for a lot of people to hear about dealing with things like when somebody passes away, what arrangements are proper and what they would want at the time of their deaths. And the funeral industry that has a lot of small local players and then big international chains has players that are just trying to do a good job and ease the suffering of the grieving families. Then others who look at that suffering and grieving as a business opportunity and do everything they can to cheat people who are grieving the loss of a, a parent, a child a spouse, a loved one, and rip them off to the end of the earth. Oh, man, there's a lot of stuff that came out recently. But my favorite was an investigative report in the Wall Street Journal about how the funeral industry has convinced, over time, the federal regulators to look the other way and keep it a secret when they find out about particularly the funeral chains, cheating loved ones, grieving the loss of a family member or a friend. The reality is the funeral industry can help with final arrangements at very low cost, if you know how the game is played, or incredibly high cost if you allow yourself to be ripped off, taken advantage of. The first thing in this area is knowledge is power. And that's why I've encouraged you so much to become knowledgeable. And it's really easy to do if you know where to turn. And the best place to go in the United States and Canada is the Funeral Consumers Alliance, website funerals.org. And they teach you Even if you have not done anything and suddenly you've lost a loved one and you don't know what to do, how to do, go to funerals.org and read their information about how to respect the wishes of your loved one and at the same time not be cheated. One of the common practices of the big funeral chains is they will avoid ever disclosing to you the prices for a funeral. By the way, the law doesn't require you be told, and the regulations don't, what costs are online. Because the laws and regulations predate the internet. This is supposedly the year that finally prices are supposed to be posted online. But, I mean, you read story after story about how someone will be given a rough estimate, let's say, $5,500 for a funeral, and then they get a bill for 20000 I mean, this is the way the dirty play this. 
most people in America just want a simple cremation. And simple cremations can be from many hundreds of dollars to, at a ripoff funeral home, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. What makes the difference? Knowledge makes the difference. Knowledge creates power. And you shopping around makes that difference. I remember helping a friend who was grieving the loss of a parent and shopping around because she wanted a cremation, shopping around, and it was amazing the price differences one place to another to another. The legitimate straight-up places will quote you right online, and you'll be able to see what's available. But whenever you are lured in to a funeral home and say, hey, you want to know what things are going to cost? Come in and meet with us. You want to know what your arrangements we make? Come in and meet with us. It makes the worst used car salesperson you ever saw or heard about seem like a saint. Again, remember this, funerals.org, go there, you will learn. And then in addition, I've been a member of a state affiliate of the Funeral Consumers Alliance since the 1970s. That gives me options of potential discounts that are available through certain funeral providers, key information on what prices are in my area. I mean, this is something where not a lot of advance work gets it done. But even if there is no advance work and you're fighting from behind, if you're too emotional a wreck dealing with it, get that friend who can help and run out and do that work for you online preferably. Because the amount of money we're talking about, the difference from one end to another for the same exact thing, we're not talking pennies. We're often talking the cost of a new economy car. I have to just say, my dear uncle recently passed away after an amazing life. And my aunt was telling me um, that he was cremated and she was picking out the, the urn vessel to put the ashes in. And she didn't look at the prices but she chose one with an American flag because he was a big patriot and it was the cheapest one. So she really didn't pay much for it at all. I was very impressed by that. Um, And by the way, something that people don't know, I am the man from Costco. Yes. Costco sells caskets at one fifth of the cost to comparable ones from funeral homes, one fifth. And funeral homes are required by federal law to accept a casket that you buy from Costco as a Costco member, or you buy on eBay, or I assume Amazon sells them. And urns. You can buy your yeah, own urn. Yeah, you buy your own advance. urn. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how inexpensive the urns will be shopping for them online. Doris in Colorado says, Clark, I purchased the new Intuit TurboTax Deluxe to use to file my taxes. I was shocked at the 29-page terms of agreement, which I was required to agree with in order to purchase the product. First, it said we provide a platform that encompasses a variety of online services, including TurboTax Online, Credit Karma, and QuickBooks Online, and installable software. I was not interested in QuickBooks or Credit Karma, and to my knowledge, they were never part of previous versions. I also had to agree to permit Intuit to obtain and periodically refresh your credit information and other information about you from third parties for marketing, eligibility, and other purposes described, etc., Wow, I couldn't believe what I had to agree to. I said no and requested a refund. 
So Intuit, if you're not familiar, is a roll-up company. They are a financial services roll-up. If you're not familiar with what a roll-up is, what they do is they try to buy related companies in the same industry, in this case, in the financial products industry, services industry. And so Intuit is trying to make all these different deals they purchased pay, pay off for them, their stockholders. So Intuit is tying you when you do business with one entity, they're trying to get you to agree to be part of these other entities. It's kind of like a bulldozer kind of effect with Intuit. And if you notice in their television advertising, the various subsidiaries are being dual branded where we'll say Intuit and then the name of whatever the roll-up is they purchased to try to get you to buy from them the entire supermarket of financial services, which is what their whole business model is. you got to know that, that if you do business with an Intuit entity, the whole game is trying to get you, when you agree to use one, that you then become part of the Intuit family, if you will. Sonia in Georgia says, do you have suggestions about a solar home generator? Sonia, very timely. We covered this back, I think, in September, October, how the price points had changed completely on these solar battery combo devices. So you have a choice in the marketplace. And the reason these have become dominant versus the traditional diesel portable generators is the cost of the batteries has gone down so much. So you have to decide what you're trying to accomplish. And it's really confusing when you look at the generators that are for sale, the battery-powered generators that also tie in with solar panels, because some of them will just do basic things. They may run your toaster, maybe your microwave, They'll charge your cell phone, that kind of thing. Others are much bigger, much more robust, and they can even run maybe some heat and air in your home, certainly your refrigerator. You'll see when you're shopping, what you want to see with the wattage is how much of what's in your home can they run simultaneously for how long and how much of a booster you'll get from the solar panels. Uh, We have one of these that can run the basic appliances of our house, including our refrigerator. The cost of them, as I said, going down, 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 and the marketplace is starting to be flooded with competitors. So take your time looking at the ones for sale from the warehouse clubs, looking at what Amazon has, looking what's available from Home Depot and Lowe's, and also looking from some of the major brands directly from them. But first, think about what you're trying to run in your home and for how long before you make a decision. Mark in California says, I love your podcast. Something I don't get is what is the difference between a sub $200 smartphone and the pricey and fancy $500 plus models? Is it primarily a higher resolution screen and cameras? How many megapixels is enough? Mine is a Motorola 4G Android phone and it works just fine and costs $100. The only feature I wish it had is an NFC tap to pay 
and I know I don't have to spend much more to get this feature. Are the pricier phones really worth spending the extra money? It looks like 5G phones are available for under $200. It seems the pricier the phone, the more insurance you need to cover damage or loss of the phone. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. So, Mark, obviously, a cell phone is something you tolerate, not something you're addicted to. So that puts you in a whole different price category. If you look what's happened with the cell phone manufacturing market worldwide, there's in U.S. dollars, there's basically three price bands. The bargain market under 200, the uh, mid-price market, which is roughly in the mid-hundreds, like $500 range, more or less. And then the mega expensive phones, like the fanciest iPhones and Samsungs that are $1,500. And so that's why at the high end, there's such a big used phone market. Because when you start getting to $1,500 for a phone, the number of people who are available to you as customers has shrunk to so few. So that's why there's the big used market on high-end phones. What are you getting at each price point? At 200 bucks, you're getting a 5G phone. You're getting a decent camera in the phone, but not anything outstanding. And you can run apps and all that. You'll have trouble gaming. You'll have trouble with anything heavy graphics. You move to the mid-price, the $500 plus or minus. These are for new phones. And you look at those, you're going to have a better camera, you're going to have more memory, you're going to have more functionality with the apps that you would use on a phone. And then the high end is going to be heavily about the cameras. And now the big buzz is AI functions being built into the ultra high end phones. So for you, a 5G phone in the $200 range is going to be absolutely great. It'll do everything that you really want a phone to do. No reason to spend more and absolutely no reason to insure that phone. And I hope that you have a great, great day today. Remember that this whole week, as every week except holidays, we are here to provide you free one-on-one advice and guidance from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center as we've been doing now for 31 years, providing one-on-one free advice and guidance. You can see how to get that 30 hours each week at clark.com slash CAC. What we're about, our mantra, if you will, save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off.